0: Last week, I made a pivotal decision to begin exploring fertility options, specifically freezing my eggs. This might be too much information, but I don't care. I got out of a relationship this fall that I thought would lead to marriage, and I'm finding myself newly 35 and single, something I never expected to be. I knew I was going to start this throwback series for I'd rather be reading, so I pulled out an old Slightly yellowed copy of The Joys of Much Too Much by Bonnie Fuller, a book I first read when I was in college, a book that inspired me to go for and live my version of the big life, going for my wildest dreams, both professionally and personally. Professionally, I'm living my dreams, but personally, until I'm a mom and a wife, I think there will always be an unfulfilled longing. And I'm a little tired, honestly, of pretending that statement isn't true. While I can't plan when I'll meet my future husband, I can take an aspect of becoming a mom into my own hands and consult about freezing my eggs so that whenever the time is right, I'll be covered. And so after reading The Joys of Much Too Much again, I was reminded I don't have to settle in any area of my life and that this whole life thing isn't a dress rehearsal. We're in the big show now. I'm not in the waiting room of life. I'm in the room and my life is up to me. So this was fresh on my mind when I spoke last week to Bonnie Fuller, a woman I've admired from afar for over 25 years, who now suddenly (laughs) was on Zoom with me, applauding me for taking this step. I have had many moments in my life where I think, what would my 10 year old self have thought of the amazing life I'm living? And right behind 10 year old me asking what does freezing your eggs mean and wait you're not married yet really (laughs) i'd be pretty amazed that i was having conversations of this magnitude with of all people the bonnie fuller bonnie has literally been editor-in-chief of every magazine i grew up reading 90s kids might remember YM, which I subscribe to faithfully. She was editor-in-chief of that. She's also been in charge of Glamour, Cosmopolitan, Mary Claire, Us Weekly, you name it, and is now top of the masthead at Hollywood Life. Add to that that Bonnie is a mom of four and a wife, and you'll see why her book is called The Joys of Much Too Much. I can't wait for you to listen to my conversation with a woman who I look up to, admire, and respect even more so now after our chat. Take a listen. Truly one of the biggest influences in my life has been Bonnie Fuller, and I am thrilled and honored to chat with her today. And a little starstruck, if I'm honest, um, Bonnie was editor-in-chief of every magazine I read growing up, from YM to Glamour to Mary Claire to Cosmopolitan. She also wrote a book in 2006, The Joys of Much Too Much, Go for the Big Life, The Great Career, The Perfect Guy, and Everything Else You've Ever Wanted, Even If You're Afraid You Don't Have What It Takes, which Bonnie might be the longest book title of all time, (laughs) but I I love it, which was the ultimate professional and personal advice book for my then 20-year-old self. I was 20 when it came out. Now at 35, it remains
1: that way, and I'm beyond excited to say welcome to the show, Bonnie. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate being asked on the show. And thank you for all your kind words about my book and glad that it has been helpful. Well, it's not just the book, it's you. I mean, you've been a huge influence on my journalistic
0: career. So how would so everybody needs to go read this book, listeners, but how would you define a life that is much too much?
1: I think it's a life that, first of all, that a lot of women think that they can't have or shouldn't have mm-hmm. because they they think that they need to have a life that is balanced or they need to have a life that gives them, uh, you know, a, a certain amount of free time. And listen, I'm all for free time, but I don't think that you need to worry about balance. I think that a life of much too much really is about looking at the fact that You only have one life, and I think all of us have a lot of hopes and dreams and goals, things we'd like to do, adventures that we want to take, and why limit yourself that if you go down the road in one way, like, yes, you want to have a career, you want to find something you're passionate about to spend your days supporting yourself, But that that means that you won't necessarily be able to have a really fulfilling relationship or that you won't also be able to be a great mom or parent. And I think it's possible to have all these things because you don't have to be perfect at everything. And you're like, things don't have to be perfect. You can enjoy a very jam-packed full life and that's what's going to give you satisfaction and energy and it doesn't have to be kind of all tidy like you know that simple simple life Mm -hmm. it doesn't you I don't think your goal should be to have a simple life
0: yeah I completely agree. and What I didn't mention in my introduction of you is that you're married and have four children. So that that is all happening in addition to this amazing magazine career that you've had and continue to have. So as if you needed one more thing to add to your much too much life, you wrote this book in 2006, which I've, I've, Told you offline. I read this book about once a year. It's it's very it's getting yellow. Bonnie, look, like I'm showing her the book. It's it's yellowing with age, and so um, that's how long it's been in my life. So, what inspired you to carve out time in 2006 to write this book?
1: Well, I have to admit, it took more than a year to write. It took um, it took quite a long time to write, and I wrote it in fits and starts because yes, I I was busy. I was you know, at the time, running a magazine, um, I think it was Cosmo or Marie Claire, mm-hmm. and I had kids and so I had to squeeze it, squeeze it in. Um, but, you know, I kept, uh, primarily because I've led women's media, magazines and now Hollywood Life, uh, which is a, a digital destination for women. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been writing and trying to help women. And most of my staffs have been women. And so because of that, you know, I was, I heard like my staff, friends, uh, readers would confide in me that they felt that they couldn't manage everything. And they felt, they felt guilty, a lot of guilt yeah. about trying to manage things. And also like, Guilty. If they were at the office, they'd be guilty because their kids are at home. Then when they're at home, they'd feel guilty because they weren't, you know, maybe taking care of something in the evening or on the weekends that would help them professionally. So they're in this constant state of guilt and anxiety and not and not allowing themselves to just enjoy the all of the actual good in their lives so i kept hearing this from all sides and listen i i guess i felt a lot of that too at times and it would it would come and go and i don't didn't want women to feel that way because when you think about it like if you think about just think about the history of women for most of history women have been consigned to certain to certain roles And it was always a secondary role in most cultures not every culture but most cultures women have been consigned to a very secondary role the man um owned all the property the woman was like a possession the Mm -hmm. women her job was to have babies take care of the home you know work in the fields like do the farm work but it the man got to have the adventures he was the hunter he was the one who went off for adventure and he, but he directed the family he told her what to do and listen that legally women were um in our culture were like what is it Chattels. like we, we were what are we called like they were chattels chattels yes yeah, yes a possession mm-hmm. and, and listen today in many cultures women are still just a possession and so whoops I just can't see you for a sec let me there we are okay so you know, here we have at this point in time, an opportunity to be a lot more than a possession and to thank thank God for it and to be in control of our lives and to make our own choices. And so why would we then choose to limit ourselves and put new constraints on ourselves that are mainly guilt, like allow guilt to keep us from fulfilling dreams or not enjoying our lives. So that's really why I wrote the book and I said there's joy in having much too much. There's yeah. joy in you know kind of having jam-packed days and falling into bed exhausted at night because you've just had, you know, you played on the floor with your kids after you got home and you know And you enjoyed giving them a bath and putting them to bed. But during the day, you were doing all this other stuff that was important to you personally, too.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I love this. You write, quote,
1: I love quoting
0: authors to authors. You write, quote, after years of trying to make a living at something I love while raising a family, I've come to the conclusion that a jam-packed, maxed out, full to the very top existence is the secret to an insanely happy life, no matter what those odes to simplicity say to the (laughs) contrary. (laughs) so uh, I bet that's really fun to hear that like so many years later because a lot of the authors I have on the show their books just came out and um and now I'm starting this new throwback series and so it might have been a while since you read that line but um you also write that you'd rather live a life that's a blur over one that's a bore I love that so much so 15 years after writing that is that still true for you
1: yes it is Um, because I do, I continue to believe that guilt is a useless emotion um, that women beat themselves up with and that, you know, when we're not like, you're not bad, unless you've really done something bad. I mean, most of us are very good people and we're really trying our best to do the right thing and to do the right thing by our families and our friends and our workplaces. Like we're, we're doing our best to be good. And so I think it's just a useless waste of time to spend yourself beating time, spending yourself being guilty and beating yourself up. So yes. And I see also having a perspective of 15 years later, where my kids are 15 years older and the youngest is now in college and the other three are out living their lives. Like, Hey, they came out, they pretty came out pretty damn good. And so, um, it certainly did not hurt or impinge them in any way that they had a mother who was very busy and who was fulfilling her, her self through career and also, you know, putting like enjoying being a parent and but uh, not, I mean, come on, no one's a perfect parent. We know no it's impossible. One is. No, it, you can't be perfect at anything so.
0: moms who do it 24, seven are not perfect parents. No one is.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I have that perspective to go. Yeah, it was okay. Uh, it was fine to do that. And I just wish still that more women would allow themselves, free themselves, unleash themselves. You know, you, the, I guess the other thing too is, is that you know, I'm a little older now and you don't want to have regrets, right? Totally. Like you get to a certain point where you, it's harder to start again. Like if you, if you go, well, I really, I always really, really wanted to, I don't know, be a lawyer, be a, an electrician, whatever it is that you really always wanted to do. It's really hard to have the, the time frame to do these things. If you're going to restart much later in life. And if that's been your dream, then don't put it off.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I told you offline, I, you know, I have a very successful career. I'm very blessed, but I also want to be a mom. And I was in a relationship this year with the man I thought I was going to marry. We broke up. It's the right thing, but I'm 35. And so I just reread the joys of much too much. And, um, earlier today, I, I made an appointment to talk about freezing my eggs because, you know, I, I, I want that and I'm tired of denying that. I don't want to be a mom. I do. And I want to take a little bit of the control back and not leave it in the hands of, you know, Cupid's arrow or whatever I want. I want to make moves. You taught me in this book about the make it happen mindset. And, you know, I, I know that work-life balance is impossible. Um, and it's so elusive for women. What are we as women, Bonnie, to tell our inner naysayer, who says, you can't have it all. Just settle for what you can get. Like in my case, you can't have it all, Rachel. You have a great career. Why not just be happy with that? But I still wanna be a mom. And I'm tired of denying that and pretending that I don't want that. What what are we to tell that inner naysayer?
1: We have to tell it to shut up. (laughs) 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 Seriously, shut Mm -hmm. up and don't listen to it. And I applaud you for making yeah. that decision to take control into like take control yourself. And you want to be a mom. Well, the right guy's not around you're doing. Aren't we lucky that we live in a day where you can freeze your eggs Absolutely. so that you can have motherhood when it makes sense for you. And so I applaud you for doing that because I, again, like, things life just doesn't always work the way you want it to work and things don't come along the way you want them and um but this is now within your own control so good for you thank you it was a brave step because i i thought
0: for some reason in the back of my mind that me making that appointment was me giving up on you know finding love and doing it the way I think it should be done and you know what no it's not it's just exploring my options and um giving myself permission slip to breathe a little easier and and that's really why I think I love the joys of much too much is because it's a permission slip to live life to the fullest and to embrace imperfection honestly but to just say this you only like you said you only get one life live it you know and um don't put I don't, it off Yeah. And don't put it off and don't, and don't say like, I, I find myself in a habit a lot in life of, of of thinking every day, like thinking every day is a Monday, like, oh, well, we'll do it tomorrow. You know, I'll start the diet tomorrow. I'll start thinking about children tomorrow, but you know what you have to take today for what it is, embrace it and own this life that we're living. And, um, there's just, I mean, this whole book is a manual for how to be a successful woman personally and professionally. But I wanna talk about one part that stands out to me. It's what you call the 20 to one rule of no's to yeses. I'm a writer and I'm a freelance writer at that. So it's my ratio is more like a hundred to one, but we'll, we'll go with yours. 20 to one ratio of no's to yeses. So many women give up right before that. Yes. Because as you write, you're going to get 20 no's before you get a yes. How do you persevere and keep your head up through those 20 no's or however many 22 no's or
1: however many no's? It's hard, I I admit it, it's really hard. And listen, it's easy to put down in a book, you know, to keep going, but I have experienced it several times in my life where I really needed to um, make a next step and I needed somebody to say yes, whether it was when I first, like I was, I'm from Toronto and I worked there and been an editor in chief at a Canadian magazine. And I needed to move to the States to have opportunity. There was nowhere else to work at that time in Canada. So I spent a good year sending out in that time, it was before email, (laughs) sending letters and sending clips and sending examples of my magazines to all kinds of different people in the publishing business in New York, made several trips down. And it was no, 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 no. And honestly, I was pretty much about to give up, it was been, it had it been a year, when, yeah, someone finally said, yes, yes, come for an interview, yes, we're interested, and that ended up following through on that, ended up through, you know, a few other steps. Um, I landed the job as editor-in-chief of YM, which was big. Uh, teen magazine at that time oh let me tell you
0: I know all about YM YM (laughs) was my magazine when I that was that was the magazine I ran to the mailbox for every month that was that was my I I can't tell you I wish I'd saved copies of the old YMs I'd probably make a fortune off of selling them that was (laughs) the best magazine Bonnie like just so formative for me
1: well, I'm glad to hear that, but it, it took quite a long time to get that job. And then it took perseverance. I was there for five or six years to build it up because mm-hmm. things building businesses don't happen overnight. But I went through the same thing when I was, um, I was let go from glamor um, and I really didn't ever get a reason why because we were at our highest circulation and revenue that the magazine had ever had. And it was in the middle of a really bad um, recession, recession, depression. And it took a good year again of re-knocking on doors and re-presenting myself before I landed a, at uh, Us Weekly. And I had the opportunity to recreate Us Weekly. And that sort of sent my career off in a new direction. But I, I'll be honest, like there was times I thought I might not work again. Yeah, and And it was because there was just like no jobs. It wasn't even just me, There was like no jobs. Not like now where there's a lot of jobs. Um, and then when I was trying to launch Hollywood Life and I was trying to find an investor or investors, that also took over a year uh, and so many no's. And I discovered, and you know I, I think that Silicon Valley's improved somewhat, but not totally, but there was very little interest in funding um media for women or any women's ventures at that point. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a hard lesson to learn that it was such, I guess a boys club. And um, I think we've seen, I'm sure you're aware of it too, like there's been other women who've come forward from Silicon Valley to talk about that. but yeah, um, so I experienced these situations and lengths of time myself before when I thought the a yes would never come. So, you know you, it's really hard and again your inner voice at that time is going to keep telling you is going to tell you yes to persevere but there's going to be the inner voice that says you know, throw up your hands you know give up it's impossible yeah. but don't Try, keep going keep and going. also listen and and follow through like on every potential opportunity if it's a career thing
0: yeah, I mean, 100%. And, you know, one of the things I love most about the book is it's fierce theme of self-love. You write, quote, you need to embrace and learn to love your less than perfect inner self because she will wind up being your strongest ally. Um, I can hear from what you just said that you are your strongest ally. And how, how, is your, how much has your relationship with yourself propelled you through your life and career? Because you're always surrounded by people whether it's at work or you've got four kids at home. I think they're grown now, but in a husband. And so, but how important is that relationship with
1: the self? It's really, really important. I think for every person and, and every woman to be her, be your own best friend, because honestly, nobody else is ever going to be that for you. Like as, as much as it's wonderful to have, best friends and close relatives and, you know, a partner. Um, it can't make up for you not uh, supporting yourself. Like you can never fill that hole if you don't also su- support and love yourself and say good things to yourself. It's, it, you will not feel good if you beat yourself up on the inside every day and tell yourself negative things that in no way is going to help you to um, feel good about yourself, feel good about your life. You always have to, you have to be your own inner coach as well yeah. as best friend.
0: And the inner dialogue that you say to yourself really matters too. If I talk to, you know, my friends or my, colleagues, the way I talk to myself, sometimes I wouldn't have any friends and I probably wouldn't have any colleagues. I'd probably get fired. And so, you know, you have to, you have to be your own champion. And, and I want to call out also that I really appreciate how this book Um, Is a career book, but it also leans heavily into prioritizing marriage and children. If that's what you want out of life, which, as I've disclosed for me, it is. Um, And I I also really appreciate you embracing failure in the book. You write, you can be kicked to the curb and still climb back up. Failure is not a permanent condition. Have you personally learned from failure in your life? Because to me, it looks like you've always had it all, but I know that that is never true.
1: No, it's never, true. it isn't true. And I don't think it's true for anybody. And I think, you know, you, anyone that you think, um, on the outside has, is everything is always roses. I mean, realistically, I don't think anything is roses for every, every, any person yeah. and that every person has struggles and every person has what they consider failures that they need to climb back up for. They may not be visible to you. You may, I mean, there's lots of, listen, I work in the world of celebrity and you look at celebrities and you think, oh my God, they've got it all. They're rich, they're famous, they're gorgeous. But you don't know how they feel waking up every day or what they're struggling with or what they've had to deal with in their past. And I think you you just, you've got to keep that in mind. And in terms of, yeah, for me too. I mean, I just mentioned, you know, three times in my professional life where I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to work again or to move beyond what I was doing um, or to have to give up a dream. And it took a long time. And even in every day when you're working on something that you're trying to do, accomplish, build, there's all kinds of failures that happen. And and a lot of them are just so out of your control. Like, you know, I work on Hollywood life. Like we cope with algorithms, like talk about out of your control. (laughs) No kidding. Things things are going along swimmingly. And then, oh my God, Google or Facebook has some new algorithm. You have absolutely no control over. And you go, oh, what am I gonna do to recover from this one? And then you have to get to work again. You find your way. You always find your way. You have to. I mean, there's no other choice. Yeah. If you think about life, like you want to keep going. So you have to find a way to overcome your setbacks. And I guess that try and think of them more as setbacks than failures, but the inner voice may call them failures, but listen, try and think of them. Okay. This is a setback or we have to, you know, rethink, got to rethink or re strategize or re approach, um, relearn. Yep. Try My not to failures.
0: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. My last question for you is you know, it's been 15 years since the joys of Much Too Much came out. What would you add today to the book if you could?
1: Uh, gosh, that's a really good question.
0: A lot has changed in the past 15 years of our lives. Instagram wasn't even a thought. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, for example, was just for college kids. And um, a whole Not lot of is-
1: What? Yeah. I don't even know that Facebook was a factor at all when I was- I don't think when I was starting to write this book, there was Facebook. Yeah. Any of probably. those things. Um, I would say- First of all, then I think in a lot of ways there's a lot more opportunity mm. because of the fact that social media has leveled the playing field in terms of creating modes of expression. Um, because you know there was so little way to express opinions before mm. and to present points of view before, like it, as a writer, write like you're trying to pitch yourself to various outlets. You've got story ideas you wanna do, interviews you wanna do, but let's say you you couldn't in that time get a yes. So you couldn't write for an established place. I mean, today you can go on Medium and just as one avenue and you can set up your own Medium page and you can publish your work and there will be people who will read your work. You can promote it on Twitter on Instagram, on Facebook. So it gives you an opportunity uh, for your voice to be heard in a way that was almost impossible before. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's certainly one thing has changed. I think there's a lot more awareness of equality of opportunity that at least companies, a lot of companies are trying to, diversify their upper ranks like I mean I think the glass ceiling sadly I do think it still exists yeah but it's not as firm as it was 15 years ago yeah um I think that companies when we're talking about you know big companies and small companies are giving a lot more thought to um promoting diversity of sex and uh, ethnicity background, you know, to not uh, to rethink who their image is of who can be leaders within their organizations, and so again, there is the opportunity, and then and so it's up to, I think it's up to each person to go, yeah, I'm going to take that opportunity, and mm-hmm. and there is, I think, even more of a chance to like a more, I shouldn't say chance there are more pathways to make your dreams happen than there were 15 years ago, more options of making your dreams happen because of that awareness and openness, that there is more openness. And I don't think though that all of these things are anything to be taken for granted. And it still doesn't mean that it's super easy, Mm -hmm. but I think it is easier the other thing, though, that I want to say, and this may not, I don't know if you feel that this is personal, that, but 15 years later, I do think on one hand, there's this more openness. On the other hand, there's backlash. Yeah. And I, we're, this year, we've seen so much backlash against women and women's rights as well. Like, even as there, are in many ways, more opportunity and openness, I mean, sorry, but just look at the Supreme Court and what's going on and look at Texas. Oh yeah, I think that a lot of younger women who grew up thinking that certain rights that had been attained for women um, were set, that they didn't have to worry about. Uh, clearly, that is absolutely not the case you can't take any right for granted mm-hmm. and, and more could be and, and we could just at the beginning of seeing rights taken away across the country in many ways against women and other gr- and other groups like as far as we've pushed forward there's now backlash and we and i think women have to be extremely aware and ready to do something about that and doing something about that can't yeah. just sit still So that's the other thing I would say that's a new development that's concerning at the end of the 15 years.
0: Sounds like it's time for you to write another book, Bonnie. (laughs) 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 We need the joys of much too much part two, the 2021 Mm -hmm. or I guess
1: 2022 edition. (laughs) Well, it always bears repeating that you need, um, that. it needs to bear repeating. That, you, that women can make things happen and shouldn't turn down opportunities. Yeah. I still have people that I have have hired or want to hire who turned down jobs. This has happened recently because they're thinking that maybe, you know, they're getting married and in a few months, then they're going to start thinking about maybe they want to have kids. And so maybe they shouldn't accept a new job that would be more challenging or take a promotion. Yeah. and. I still find, and I'm still seeing that. And so, and, and I i don't feel that women should, I, obviously, I don't think women should limit themselves. That yes, just like you said, you want to be a mom, you want to be a parent, you want to get have a relationship. That doesn't mean that you can't have these other, you can't handle all these aspects of your life.
0: Yes, absolutely. So. You, yes you've been my mentor from afar for what 25 years or something like that since your ym days and this feels like i'm i'm sure our listeners are getting so much from this but this feels like exactly what i need to hear today so um the book, you need to write another book. I mean, with all your free time, right? But um, I want more Bonnie Fuller content in my life. So thank you so much for being here today to get to chat with you up close is an honor. I will never forget. Thank
1: you. Oh, well, thank you so much. And listen, good luck with everything and good luck with your plan, your with your eggs
0: we're we're starting we're starting the conversation which is more than i can say from yesterday so we're starting the conversation and i'm going after my big life just like you and after
1: yours okay well you can achieve it for sure
0: thank you okay
1: keep in touch absolutely
0: Bonnie, thank you for being so gracious with your time and for your kindness. That was definitely, definitely a high point of 2021 for me. We are already making plans for 2022. And friends, it's going to be a good year for books. But to close out 2021, we'll have as our season three finale guest, Sherry Salata, to talk about her book, The Beautiful No*. And my dear friend Carla Jean Whitley is coming back on the show to close us out for the year, where we'll both discuss our favorite books of 2021. Because let me tell you, between the two of us, we've read a lot of books. A friendly reminder to let me know what you're reading at hello, I'd rather be reading at gmail.com and follow, rate, Interview our show. It really does mean so much and we'll catch up with you after the Christmas holiday. In the meantime, take some time to shop at your local booksellers to give the gift of books for the holiday season and take some time to curl up with a good book and get away from it all for a while. Talk soon and happy holidays in the meantime.